Hey everybody, it's Jamie, and it's another edition of Trading Fours. Today we've got a doubleheader. First, I'm gonna check in with the owner of Knuckleheads, Frank Hicks, to see how he's doing in this tough time. And then we're gonna travel down the road, down I-70 to Manhattan, to hear from Pete Jones with the band Headspace to talk about their new album. Okay, people, it's time for a little rant here. You see, I've seen a lot of posts on Twitter where people shout to the mountaintops to quote-unquote shut down the bars because of COVID. And, you know, I get it. Bars are an easy target. I, I think many people unfortunately think of them as just drunk tanks where people go to get wasted. You know, I've known a lot of bar owners over the years and even more of their employees. And I can tell you, these are some of the hardest working folks out there. Especially those who try to foster and nurture live music. You see, a bar is its own economic system. It's not only employs the owner and all of their employees, it also employs musicians, vendors, suppliers, and much more. So if you close the bars, you're having a deleterious effect on all those people. They won't be able to pay the mortgage or the rent, buy basic necessities like food or gas, and that's bad for all of us. Bars and musicians are barely, and I mean barely, holding on, and many aren't holding on at all. You know, just off the top of my head, some of the local bars that have music here in Kansas City, like Aftershock and the Local Tap, they're gone forever, folks, and they're not coming back, and I'm sure there's others that I just don't think of right off the top of my head. You know, nationally, I hear bars that are closing all over the place. My favorite bar is my college bar, Duffy's in Lincoln, Nebraska. I was there a few weeks ago and they told me that they're barely holding on by a thread. This is a bar that opened in the height of the Great Depression, 1936. And until COVID, they were thriving in the same location. They have the longest liquor license going on in Lincoln and it's a place with a lot of history. My dad went there, I went there and hung out there. And a lot of bands did too. Like, I don't know, maybe a band you've heard of? Nirvana? Yeah, Nirvana played there twice. This would be a great loss. And Duffy's is just one bar out of thousands and thousands with that kind of history. So please, stop and think what you're saying before you shout, close all the bars. Bars are just brick and mortar, but the people who own them, that work at them and play at them, are very, very real, and they are hurting right now. Be a little better, okay? Now let's hear from one of those people. Here's my conversation with Frank Hicks with Knuckleheads. First, I, I think it's... I think it's I've, had, I've had so much stuff happen on day, Jamie, you wouldn't believe it. Oh my gosh, I bet. It's probably just the last, what, six months have probably been like the last 60 years, probably. It's probably what it feels like, right? Oh, it has. It has. And then today, somebody stole my pickup, and I've been oh. dealing with tow companies and police and everything else in that. Ugh, it's horrible. It's easy, so. Well, <laughs> I know. Let's, let's try anyway. to, let's talk about some more, a little bit of happier things. So, so the first thing I always ask everybody, Frank, is how are you holding up? Besides your, your truck getting stolen, I mean, how are you ha- holding up? Are you hanging in there? I am. I'm hanging in there. At uh, you know, it's different times. It's uh, times are a lot 
uh, more difficult than it used to be. But, you know, it's like you do what you got to do and you survive and, you know, you get creative and do some things you never did before and do some things you used to do before that worked and, you know, uh, just, you know, keep pedaling. Yeah. You stop pedaling, you're going to go downhill. You know? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, you know, it's it's so interesting, and I'm I'm sure you've seen the same thing around the country about how many live venues uh, are either just struggling horribly or, or have gone out of business. I just saw today another place down in Austin, Texas, that I used to go to sometimes that they're never open their doors again. And and you were kind of an early adopter about starting up shows pretty quickly after as soon as you got the okay from the city. So. How did that work for you? What was your thought process? Did you just needed it to survive? Did you just talk to the musicians and it was important to them? I mean, what what went into all that? Well, here here's the thing that uh, we were closed for what like nine weeks, I think it was. But uh, it was just really heartbreaking to see the place where everybody had so much fun and and it was so much so live and full of energy. Just sit there dormant, and then we started selling tacos and uh, six pack of beer and six pack of tacos on, on Saturday and Sunday. And that helped a little bit, but, you know, financially it wasn't that good because the time you open the doors and get the help and stuff, and, you know, all you did was pay the two employees, okay? Right. But that, but that was, that was but the doors were open. And it, it just made me feel better. And when we knew that it was going to open, or they was going to let us open on May 15th, I called up, you know, some friends of mine. I got a lot of friends in the business. I called them up and said, hey, are you willing to play? And they said, Sure. And at the time, it was 10% capacity, so you had to, you know, uh, we bring in 120 people instead of 1,200, you know. Right. And But but you spaced them all out, and it looked, you know, it looked good, and we had fun, and, and it was, you know, it wasn't real profitable, but it, it brought enough money in to pay the band, brought enough money in to, you know, pay the payroll, and, and hopefully pay the light bill, you know. So, right. Uh I just felt like it was open and it was something that I needed to do because I'm just not one. To, I mean, I sat home and for those two months and watched television, but my eyeballs hurt and I got fatter in hell. And I was as fat as part of it, but I got fatter, you know, and, right. uh, it was just, it was sort of like, you know, Hey, we're open again and, and you know, let's get back to some kind of normal. We're not going to get back to the normal, but let's create a new normal or, or, you know, start going back at it. And now it's up to 50% and, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that's, that's not opened up and a lot of people that hasn't done live music yet, and some people have, but uh, I wasn't trying to be a leader. I wasn't trying to be, you know, anything except take care of my business, keep my doors open, and pay my rent. Well, not really rent. I get a lot of rent, but, you know, my pay my overhead, you know, and uh, it's a big net. We created a monster. It's kind of a big net every month to pay, but so we just kind of, you know, went at it with that attitude. Hey, we're going to make enough money to, to get by, and we're going to do more shows and less shows. We're going to try. If I can only do 50%, let's do two fifty percent you know? Right. And so my, when I first started, I started doing two shows. That didn't go over well. Well, I was doing like a 7 o'clock show and then like a, a 9, 30, 10 o'clock show. And with the same artist. You know, I didn't have the artist. Instead of playing... Four hours, they play two hours, take an hour break, and then play two hours again. And that, I mean, it, it was okay, except when the people started, well, I've been here, you know, for two hours, you're going to kick me out now. I want, you know, and of course, you, with the with the 10% or 50%, you had to, because you had to make room for the other people, and, you know. 
I started saying, well, this ain't really going to work. So we just started doing a normal show. And uh, we just started doing instead of just doing it on Friday and Saturday, we started doing Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And now we're down to Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Of course, we've got the open jam we do every Sunday. Uh, that's always been there. It's been there like 16 years. It's going to stay doing that. But yeah, the live, the live music and live shows is not like they used to be. And you're not getting the, uh, the uh, what do you want to call it, the uh, traveling musician too much because a lot of them are still scared. And the ones that aren't scared, they're losing all their gigs because the places are closing up or they can't open for whatever reason. And so it, it messes with the routing really bad because if you're a musician, you want to go out. You know, you're a musician, so you want to go. If you're going to go out of town, you have to have four or five gigs to make it worthwhile right and when you when you lose two or three of them or especially the main one is for making up everybody's got an anchor date what they call it and anchor dates where you make the most money you know like you're gonna do a festival or you're gonna do a private party or something that's where you your, your big bucks is that so you set you set aside a bunch of littler gigs to get your gas money and hotel money to get to the big one you know and so when a big they lose it then it's not really worthwhile to go to the other ones. Absolutely. So, therefore, you know, in this, in this business, you've got a lot of cancellations, you know, you put a show on sale, maybe a week later, they cancel you know, so then you have to go back to square one and, you know, look somebody else. And so, so it's been a uh, challenge. The rescheduling and, and the canceling and the uh, so forth has been like a uh, booking nightmare because, you get something booked, and then somebody else comes along wants this date. You can't give it to them, and by the time you turn them down, the first guy cancels, and goes, now I got a date open, and I've done lost two artists now. You know, right? Uh, well, one of the don't take thing- this as bitching. I'm just saying it's no, the no, way no. it is. You know? No, I, I think it's really important, Frank, that people hear it. And you know, one of the things that's really lately been driving me nuts um, is that there's this kind of this small but very loud. A group of people who are saying, "Oh, you should just close the bars down with this," and I was like, "You know, I I think bad bars get a bad rap. You know, there's just this kind of idea that it's just a bunch of drunks sitting around, and you know, every time I've gone to your club or a million clubs, it's like a community and it's like a family. And you're, you know, not only do you hire yourself and your own livelihood, but you have your staff, you have the bands that we just talked about. You hired that you're paying, you know, their livelihoods. You've got suppliers, their livelihoods. So it's not like it's just a bar." It's just this little finite thing within itself. I mean, it's a whole ecosystem. Um, and a lot of the, you know, musicians and bars, it's a tough business when times are good. Uh, it's a really tough time now. So I, I always think that people need to have a little bit more grace about it and you know, take a breath about it and kind of think about what the ramifications are instead of just, you know, shouting from the rooftop just to shut things down. So um, that's why I wanted oh, to have no, you on. You know, yeah, the people like that drive me crazy because they're they're there to criticize all the time. But you know, if they don't, nobody's forcing them to go out. If you want to go out, you go out. You come out. You, you know, we're doing all the safety precautions. We're doing everything we're supposed to do. Uh, the social distancing, the tables wide. You know, the the plexiglass in front of the, the bartender and mask and all that. So what I tell everybody, I'd probably get in trouble over this. But you know, if you don't want to come, don't come. You know, just please stay home. I'd rather stay home if you're worried about it. Right. If the people who's not worried about it want to get out, I want to have a place for them to come to, enjoy live music. And since this thing's all went bad, you'd be surprised how many people come up at night and, and on the way out and say, thanks for being open, thanks for having live music, thanks for giving us somewhere to go. Because 
you know yourself what live music does for you if you release it of everything, all your stress and all your tension and stuff. Uh, it's kind of like going to the movie or going to live music. It's, it gets your mind off all the other crap you got to think about all day. Yep. To to relax and enjoy yourself and, and let your your spirit get you know filled and it's, it's just uh, it's more than just live music. It's it's almost like a therapy. You know. Totally. It, it's like you need this for you need this for your mind. You need this for your soul because all daily worries and all the crap that you know that that, that you pick the kids up something for on the way home and you forget somebody's birthday and you get truck gets stolen all the crap <laughs> goes away when you listen to music for like a couple of hours you know no, so, to me I can't play crap I couldn't I couldn't play a tune if my life depended on it if I want to run everybody off and start singing but I know what music is supposed to sound like I know what people enjoy and I know what I enjoy and music is a very very big part of my life it always has been and I just think that you know people need that for their, their, their mental, mental uh, wellness. Absolutely. You know? No, you know, that's so interesting you, you bring that up, Frank, because, you know, the, the times we, you know, I'm doing the parking lot tour this summer, so we've been playing. There was a parking lot in town. I probably played it at some point. And, and to your point, I've had a lot of people come up when we're done playing and, and say exactly that. Thanks so much. I needed this. I needed something to get my mind off of it. I needed something to be happy about i needed something where i could just live in the moment not have this overwhelming dread going on which you know a lot of people that's all they feel all day every day so i i totally get that you know and music's such a connection i think you know i always say it, it has a it's almost like the soundtrack of your life that you hear some tune that meant something to you before in your life that just takes you back to it and it's it's really needed so i totally get that so you well, know and it's it's just people need it. They, they need it. I want to. I want to provide it, and I just don't. I want people to be thankful to come, and I want the people that don't want to come to leave everything alone. You know, right? It's just. So this should probably go. Day and age. Yeah, I, I was just going to say one of the things I always try to do, Frank, is if you're so kind to give me your time and, you know, I I, I want to make sure that people that hear this, that they come out, they hear this and they want to support you. So I this should be going up live next Wednesday, the 26th. So I'm just looking at your calendar. So you've got Carl Butler's Gospel Lounge going on that night, correct? And then the weekend of the correct. the 28th and the 29th, I'm going to, is it Amragia Ridge Runners? How do you, how do you say their name? No. Yeah, don't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then you, well, I can give you the Jeff Bergen's Elvis show too. So you got that on the Friday, the 28th, and then the next night you're doing your open jam, and you're also doing a Fleetwood Mac tribute show and a Who tribute show. So I, I think that's interesting too, right. Frank. You know, obviously I know I've seen Mr. Big at your place and seen a bunch of band at your place. So it's not just blues that you do; you do a lot of stuff too. So that people are looking for live music, and they're not into blues. You've got other options too. So people should know that too. Well, we do have a lot of different options, and it's, it, there's quite a variety of, you know, uh, things to see and things to do down there. The, uh, the Ridge Runners are, are more of a, uh, a jam band, almost a progressive bluegrass. Okay. And then you got Elvis playing in the back, back room the same night, you know. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's just, uh, you got to keep it like that. you got to keep it interesting because, you know, you can't just be a blues bar. You can't just be a, a rock bar. you got to be... Enough to you know you get different people down here and, and people come in and want to want to stay you know and absolutely no it's just I a- just 
just like what? I was just going to say, you know, it's interesting. I always, I just have, whenever I think of your place, whether it's Ian Moore or, like I said, Mr. Big or a million different blues band, I always have a smile on my face when I go down there. So I, I, I that's part of the charm of it too, is that it's just always, it's a happy place to be. Well, I always, I always try to describe it as like a big party in your backyard, you know? Everybody's friends, everybody's there for a good time, nobody's there to, to be all crazy and goofy and they come to have a good time and laugh and dance and, and listen to music. And, and that's what I want it to be. I mean, I, I branded it that way and I want it to stay that way because that's where I'd want to go. You know? Right. No, it's cool. And how much it's grown over the years, it's gone from, you know, what was it? Just the one small stage basically. And now you got four, right? I mean, it's up to four at this point, correct? We got five now. Five. See, I need to go back. <laughs> we just build another one. <laughs> we just build another one. We just build another one. Uh, my wife's always getting the hell. She's a hair wearer, you know, trying to make it. I, mean, I had to sub in cost them, but of course it costs labor. But I had the guys anyway, trying to keep them busy and getting something to do. But uh, we got a little bar in the garage now. I mean, well, the main bar in the garage. I put a smaller stage down there and put like a sunken piano down in. So it's, do some piano bar stuff and, you know. That's great. I got, I got some big plans for for doing that. I got, you know, I think I want to have, like, probably starting sometime in September, I want to have some, like, uh, smaller bands and probably more like a piano bar and no cover charge. So if you don't like the band playing across the street or you don't want to pay a cover charge, you just come here and, and have a couple drinks and, and talk and have have a good conversation and still listen to music. Yeah, absolutely. You know that, that that that's so great that you do that. I know I have some friends that have played at your space. They always compliment you on on paying them. You know a very fair, a well rate. You know a lot of times musicians are underpaid, but that's not the case at your facility. And I know that goes a long way with musicians. So thank you for that. And it's great how much you do support it. So. Um, like I said, I, I don't want to keep you super long. I, I just wanted to get the word out, let people know that you're in business to come out and support you. Um, certainly, I even know, um, you know, like I said, I have a, a 90s band, but I know you have the 80s band, the M80s play down there too. So if like you're into 80s music, you can go down at some point in Knuckleheads and see that or see blues shows or whatever. And such a fun venue. It's so unique and you know, uh, it's interesting how much that neighborhood has changed. I know once with the Rieger came down there too, it's almost kind of become its own little tourist destination spot. You know, people, I every time I have people come in from out of town, they say, well, what, what should I do? And I say, oh, you got to go down to Knuckleheads. you got to go down to the Rieger and check out the neighborhood. So, um, Yeah, the Rieger, Rieger's been good for, uh, you know, the whole neighborhood there has been good. I, you know, we, we come down there when, when we first started, we was the only thing down there. Uh, the rigger came along and the local pig was down there for a while. And it's just kind of become like a little, you know, place to go to. And that's what we want it to be, you know. Uh, Absolutely. I don't know. It's, uh, it's just, uh, I think the rigger and, and, and I think nothing like this too, welcome visitors and once you're there. And so, so when you leave there, we, we hope everybody gets like a warm, fuzzy feeling like, hey, that's a cool place to go. And people weren't rude to me. They weren't, you know, they, they wanted me there. Yeah. No, uh, it sounds like I'm blowing hot air in my butt, but I'm not. No, uh, no, not at all. I, I appreciate just, the time, and and I want you to uh, uh, go find your truck, man. I mean, if 2020 didn't suck bad enough, then you have to go figure out some jer- <laughs> some jerk stole your truck. That's not right. That should not be happening. So, 
I, well, the, the days the day we go to Sam's and, and the restaurant depot to pick stuff up, and now we're trying to figure out what we're going to drive. <laughs> oh, I totally get it. Well, well, you be safe. You know, Frank, from the musicians in this town, thanks so much for always supporting live music. It really means a lot. Well, thank you, and thanks for having me on. All right, Frank, have a good night. Frank Hicks, everybody. Is there a more uh, emblematic story of 2020 than trying to do the right thing and some jackass steals your truck? I don't think so. I think that's just perfect 2020. It's just, uh, people, be kind to each other. It doesn't cost anything to be kind. I do want to thank Frank. That's such a cool venue. I hope you've been there, and if you haven't, please go out and support Knuckleheads. I have a couple friends who have played at Knuckleheads during this, and they stress about how everybody's wearing masks and people are sitting down and they're not dancing. They're, not, they're, they're doing everything they can to be safe, and the, the staff is wiping everything down, uh, and, they're, and they're, they're doing their best. So uh, it's such a cool venue. Please help them out if you can. Well, let's move on. Let's, I got a, uh, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast was the idea that I would like to learn more about other music. And I know I bring my dad up from time to time, and, and I certainly love my dad dearly. And uh, the reason why I play music and appreciate so much music is because of my father. But one thing that really just irritated me was that you kind of shut down and after about 1955 or so thought there was no good music and that's ridiculous. Um, so I always swore I would not be that way. So I wanted to have, uh, from time to time, let's have younger bands on, younger people, what they're doing, listen to them, and, and hear their story. So uh, the band Headspace out of uh, Manhattan, Kansas, is uh, my next guest is Pete Jones, the guitarist and founder of it. They've got a new album out. Uh, Pete was great to talk to. talked to him recently. So let's get started with Pete. Here's my conversation with Pete Jones of Headspace. Let's get started. Appreciate the time. So first, Pete, let's talk a little bit about your band Headspace for people that aren't aware of you. I know you're based in Manhattan. Obviously, this podcast is headquartered here in Kansas City. So, yeah. tell, pe- so tell people that haven't seen you, like, what, how would you describe your band? Um, I would probably describe our band kind of like a alternative rock mixed with, like, alternative punk, I guess I'd say. Kind of on the lines of, like... 70s 80s punk meets like early 2000s uh alternative rock okay so like my generation of stuff yeah like uh we're really big fans of like ramones um black flag and um the queers are another one of my my favorites of mine so kind of those some of those older punk bands oh yeah well, that's great. So I know you've got a new album out. So uh, let's talk about your album. First of all, what's it called? It's called uh, In Melancholy. Uh, that's a perfect thing for 2020, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It definitely worked with, I think, a lot of stuff going around and then the album as well. So I think right. it was a perfect So uh, when did you record it? Did you do it before COVID or during COVID? When did it all happen? <laughs> Did it dirt well? It was kind of weird because we had started recording the album earlier in the year, and we were recording a, a, another album as well. 
and we were in the process of recording that one. And then this whole COVID thing happened, and the person we were recording with didn't want easy, uh, didn't want us coming over. But then every time we went to try to contact him, it was either he was busy or yeah, he yeah we couldn't get a hold of him. And so when this whole COVID thing happened, he was like, hey, you know, we need to get to the studio and finish these songs. And he's like, well, I don't want nobody coming over with this whole COVID thing, which was cool, understandable. So, but it just kind of put us in a pickle. Yeah. And so we eventually decided, screw it, you know, we'll look for someone else. We'll look for someone else. And so we found a place in Topeka, Kansas uh, called Rocket Recording. And we hit them up and he's like, yeah, I'll have you guys in my studio. And so we went down there and we decided to record in Melancholy instead of the other one that we had already started working on. And decided just to record this album next and then do the other one later. So okay. uh, we decided to put this album out uh, first and hold it off on the other one. Right. So let's take a little step back, Pete. So why were you all students at K-State or you just live in Manhattan? Like how'd you all form originally? What's your background story? Um, originally we started on Craigslist. Um, I put an ad on Craigslist looking, looking to start a band. And that's when I met the original drummer and the original singer. And we started out together and then we brought in, um, uh, another guy from Craigslist on uh, on bass, and then we came. We ended up kick, we uh, kick, we had a dispute with the drummer, so we kicked out the drummer, and then we brought in uh, a new guy who ended up becoming our lead singer now, and um, he kind of he kind of he started out as our drummer, and then he became our lead guitar player. And then we brought in a new person for our drummer. And then uh, at that time, we ended up losing our bass player. So we brought in a new bass player. And then this was all, and then this was all towards December of 2018. Okay. And so we had already had our first shows booked for 2019. And about December, about towards the end of December, our drummer and our bass player ended up quitting the band over a situation that we had with our with a song that we had and then our um i guess our singer a problem they had with our singer and so then after that happened um our drummer now all his friends with um and we had kind of jammed we had played before so i was like yo i'm like i need a new bass a new drummer i'm like could you be my drummer and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm down. And so that's when Dan, our drummer now, came into the band. And then uh, James, our bass player, um, I kind of known him from a previous band that he used to play in. And we had always kind of wanted to work together because we enjoyed the same type of music. Right. And, but it just never panned out. So when our bassist quit, I hit him up as a yo. We need a new bass player. We got these shows coming up. You know, do you want to join the band? He's like, yeah, I'm down. And so he... I'm just gonna. I'm sorry, Pete. I was just gonna say. It. So you know, the whole idea of this podcast was kind of to, to mystify what it's like to be a musician. Yeah. And, and be involved. And I, I, I think this is good. We haven't really had an episode where we talked about band drama, 
And you're, some of the things that you were talking about with your band and people quitting and stuff like that, I, I, I think every musician at some point has gone through that with a band where it just seems like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're going through people left or right, or they just, uh, we don't mesh, or it's just, you know, the guy's a flake and he doesn't show up or he's a drunk or, yeah. Uh, so you got to be persistent in the music business, don't you? I really do. Like, I've played with a lot of people that is just either they were flakes or they just, you know, like the idea of being in a band but didn't want to do the commitment. And it just, it, it really is something you've really got to be dedicated to and want to do. Yeah, so, I, it's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would have a band, right? <laughs> yeah, it's almost like a second job. Yeah, <laughs> that pays virtually nothing, right? Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. It's a labor of love. It's You're not doing it for the money. Exactly. exactly. So you're playing tonight, right? Well, tell me about this gig tonight. Where are you playing? We are playing in Junction City at Rosebud's. So I've and, never I've never been there. Describe me. What's this What's this joint like? Um, are you familiar with the Devil's Tail? No, I've uh, okay. I have not hardly ever. I, I this is how old I am, Pete. So I actually uh, one of my good friends in college dated a girl from K State. So all of my experience about Manhattan is going to the bars down. Was it Aggieville? Yeah. And that stuff, but I haven't been to Junction City. And I haven't done any of that. So you're going to yeah. have to, I, I'm one of those, you know, stuck up Kansas City people. It just like stays in Kansas City. I don't make it out there much. So help you're, me out. You're cool. Understandable. Yeah. Uh, in the same way, I don't really make it out to Kansas City much. So. Right. But um, it's a pretty cool little bar. Uh, it's got uh, a pretty nice little, pretty nice little stage, pretty good sound. And um, this is our first time playing it as Rosebuds. But it used to be it used to be more well known for the last name called the Devil's Tail, and when if you said Devil's Tail, people knew who you were talking. Usually knew what you who you were talking about. Right. But um, there's now it's called Rosebuds, but it's a pretty cool little bar, so I like it. That's well, good. And you're playing pretty early, right? Did I see that yeah. correct? Yeah. Uh, it was supposed to start at nine, but. I guess supposedly the health department dropped some new ordinance that bars are supposed to close by midnight. Right. So um, they decided to move the uh, show to seven instead. And so that way all the bands are playing and be done by midnight. That makes so. sense. So what kind of, like, who are your fans? Like who comes out to see you? Or is it just uh, folks that you knew initially and now you've grown it out? Or is it just college kids? Like who's, who's a Headspace fan? Um, you know, I would probably have to say originally it started out as like a friends, but I think uh, from just shows that we played with other bands, I think we've managed to, to kind of adopt some of their fans um, to our shows as well. So I, yeah, I, li I listened to a little bit of your stuff. You've got some pretty cool high energy tracks, right? So people are having a good time and, you know, making, making people forget that the world's on fire. <laughs> right yeah we uh we try to do like uh like some you know high energy stuff right. and like, like stuff you can kind of slow dance to so we try to do a little bit of everything that's cool yeah. well I, it's just really interesting if you don't mind me asking you you seem young how old are you how old am i yeah i am 30 30 yeah so this is interesting. So I, you know, I don't try to stalk people too badly, Pete, but I did look at your Facebook page a little bit. So okay. I, I kind of laughed out loud because, you know, I have a 90s band when, when you said, hey, we've, we all think Carol Baskin's guilty, but let's, <laughs> let's, we need to talk about Kurt Cobain. So uh, were you a big Nirvana fan? 
Hell yeah. I was a huge Nirvana fan. Uh, that was actually the reason why I started playing guitar because I was in second grade and I seen that video for Teen Spirit and I was like blown away. Like my little head was just blown away. I was like, oh my God. And I, I ran up to my mom and I told her, mom, I want to play guitar and be a rock star like that guy and pointed at the TV. And which is funny because I want to say maybe at least a couple months after that happened, my parents went out and bought my brother a guitar. And I was like, wait a minute. Right. I'm pretty, I asked, <laughs> asked if you know for a guitar, but okay. So, yeah, but uh, I actually got a tattoo of uh, Kirk Cobain on my 18th birthday. So, so that's pretty serious. Yeah, I was a, I'm a huge Nirvana fan. So you want to hear something interesting about Nirvana? What's that? So I grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, and the bar that I hung out in and played at and all that was, uh, it's Duffy's. It's actually still there, thankfully. Um, and so Nirvana actually played there twice. Really? Before they were, you know, Nirvana, they were just, you know, a touring band, guys in a van. And I think it was before Dave had actually joined the, because I know they went through a bunch of drummers. Yeah. And I always, it's funny, at the time, I knew some people had gone to the show, and apparently, you know, it was okay. They had a nice crowd, but it wasn't anything. But now everybody claims that they were at the Nirvana shows, <laughs> even though they weren't. And then they were supposed to come back a third time because they had such a good time in Lincoln, and it had gone so well. And, and uh, not surprisingly, Teen Spirit hit, and they were like, they need a lot more money. Like, if we're coming back, you're going to pay us. And it was too much money, so they actually canceled the gig. So that's my, that's my Nirvana story. But if you go, if you're ever in Lincoln, you go to Duffy's, downtown Lincoln. They've got a picture of Kurt up on the wall when he played one of the shows at Duffy's in Lincoln. So there you really? go. Yeah. Man, I wish I knew that. I was actually in Lincoln a couple of years back. Uh, I actually wish I was probably about maybe three years ago, three, four years ago, I was in Lincoln. And just kind of visiting. And I kind of wish I knew that. I would have stopped in there and looked at that. Yeah, well, next time you're up there, you're going to have to do it. You're also going to have to – have you been to Seattle? Have you gone to Seattle at all? Oh, I've always wanted to go to Seattle. I was actually in the process – like, I just graduated high school. And I was in the process of uh, packing my bags and was going to move to Seattle. And then life took me in a different direction and kind of ended up staying in Kansas. Yeah. Well, that happens. I have, one of my really close friends lives out there, so it, it's fun to go to a lot of the clubs where all those bands played. Right, that'd be pretty neat. Absolutely. So, Pete, if people want to find out more about your band Headspace and your new album, uh, what's the best way that they track you? Is it on Facebook? Is it your website? Is it Bandcamp? What's your best way to for people to know about you? Um, right now, um, they can definitely look it up on our uh, Facebook page. Um, they can just type in. Uh, Headspace MHK from Manhattan, Kansas. And they should be able to find it. You can find us through that way. Okay. Uh, they want to look us on Facebook and then um and, and we're also on Spotify and the new single actually just hit Spotify yesterday. So it'll be on Spotify and I think our new album will be on Spotify within the next two weeks or so. But like I said, I'm always trying to promote bands, and, and I hope you're hanging hanging in there in a very weird year. <laughs> yeah. It's not a good year for music, but I appreciate you're still out there trying and playing live gigs. And if you're ever in KC, let me know. If you're playing a show over in town, I'll have to come out and see you and say hi. Will do. All right. Well, Pete, I appreciate it. It's been nice meeting you, even if it's over Zoom. I'm glad we got it figured out. And uh, I, I, I will uh, take a chance to listen to the new LP, too, man. Oh, well, thank you, man. All right, brother. Have a good weekend. You too. Appreciate it.
All right, bye-bye. Pete Jones, everybody. Again, the band is Headspace. The new album is Melancholy. This is the new track, Eeyore. Uh, very apropos. A lot of Eeyore going on in the world in 2020. Um, so it was fun to talk to Pete. Also, thanks again to Frank Hicks and what he's doing at Knucklehead. So that's it for today's Trading Fours. Hey, next time I've got one of my favorite musicians here in town, the amazing drummer super cool guy gogo ray is my next guest and gogo's great man i first saw gogo when i first moved here in july of 1994 when he was with the great band billy goat i don't know if you guys know about billy goat you should look him up they were a ton of fun in the 90s they also uh, got naked from time to time on stage <laughs> uh, but i didn't ask gogo about that but uh, gogo's worked with so many cool bands so many great acts super cool guy just a ton of fun we had a blast talking so that's next time it'll probably be up on uh next week so uh that's it for today go out and support live music either in person or virtually and i'll see you real soon bye bye can someone help me make me smile or give me a reason just to feel worthwhile i'm hanging from the ceiling 